Thank you very much for that. Yeah, actually, Kev did do a great job last week. How many of you were here last week and heard Kev speak on baptism? I thought he did an absolutely fantastic job. In fact, one or two said that they'd nev- they've never heard a preach on baptism per se. And, I, and I, I actually thought, do you know, I'm not, I think that's right. I don't think I think we've ever done a thing on baptism. So long, long, long overdue. And he did an absolutely great job of it. And... Um, he, something he mentioned, which was supposed to be a secret, but he let the cat out of the bag, is that we've had some little medals struck so that um, those people who get baptized this, on this special year are going to get one of these. So now you're all going to want to be baptized, aren't you? I know, I know. But there you go, you know. So he mentioned it, so he spoilt it, so there we are. Talking about giving things away, uh, the, uh, the Spirit Burn album, the new Vineyard Records UK album is out. I think we did a plug for it last week. Forgive me if I'm repeating that, but, but that's out. Um, Dan, who led worship this morning, is featured on it. One, a couple of his songs. Uh, Sam's got a couple of songs on it. Uh, Joe Blustin, one of our worship pastors, got a couple of songs on it. Henry, who we've just sent out to plant in Dunstable, he's got one of his songs on it. Lots of our people in there with some great new songs. It's a really fun double album, and that's available on the bookstore. So let's support our guys and buy it. Who, uh, who would like one of these as a freebie? Oh, your hand went up first, so there you go. <laughs> great. You. There you are. Bless your heart. Oh. Okay, let me just pray and then we'll get into God's word for today. Father, we want to say thank you for what you've already done in this meeting. It's funny, as I came off the platform, my wife said to me, I really sense God's presence in the place today. And I I do too. It makes me feel very excited about what you're going to do. And so pray, Lord God, that nothing that you have in mind to do this this morning, this afternoon, will, will be robbed of us. Lord, would you do those healings? Would you set captives free? Would you come, Lord God? Would you bring glory to Jesus for all these signs and wonders are just to bring glory to him? And I pray now, Lord God, that as I speak, Lord God, I'll, uh, I will honor you and that I will bring clarity and comfort and challenge Uh, and that the whole thing will bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this autumn we've been doing this title, Living Forward, and and, and I think you've got it. I hope you have anyway. And basically what we're saying is that we're called as followers of Jesus to be living forward. And what we mean by that is is that we forego, we, we, we are willing, we're willing to make certain sacrifices now in terms of our time, our energy, our money, whatever, we make sacrifices now in order to invest in the future, God's future, eternity. We've taught out of Hebrews 12, verses one and two, where it says that Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, you know, went through the cross, he scorned its shame, wow, he pressed on through that. He was willing to go to the cross in order to win that prize that was set before him, the joy, it says, that was set before him. We've thought about that. We also thought about Philippians chapter three, I think verse 23 might be wrong there, Philippians 3:23, where it says in the scriptures that we should stand firm, we should Press, we should, uh, when we're not standing firm, we should press on and we should keep at it, keep working, keep giving ourselves to the work of the ministry because, and I love this little encouragement, we, we, must, we must understand that our work is not in vain. All of these things are great things to grasp and to understand. 
And so we're, we're, we're realizing and recognizing that we are a people that don't just live in the present, although we love the present, we love the presence of God in the present. We love his touch and his healing and his encouragement now. It's a taste, a foretaste of, of the kingdom breaking in upon us now. But in addition to that, we are a people who I've described in the past as having a bit of a faraway look in their eyes because it's not all about the now. It's actually, we are a pilgrim people. We are people who are on life's pilgrimage going towards something that is yet to come. And the scriptures speak of the fullness of the life to come. The, the scriptures imply that this is just the antechamber. This is just the, you know, the hallway into the great hall of God's purposes. And so this life, we, we put it in its true perspective. We're in the moment, we thank God for the moment, we work in the moment, we engage with the moment, but we don't let either the past or the moment hold us because we are moving forward. And in that context and in that light, just like Jesus, he scorned the shame of the moment, the cross, terrifying and terrible though it was, that even made Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He nonetheless pushed through that knowing that the goal that is ahead of us as a pilgrim people is to be with Christ and to see his kingdom fully come among us. Looking forward to that one, amen? amen. My wife hates me saying that. I'll get told off in the car going back, but anyway, never mind. I said it, I said it, I said it. Okay, so we are teaching about this and I want to today talk a, bit, a, bit, a little bit about, about generosity. Because generosity, and I see generous people all around me. I love this church. I love the generosity that is springing up in this church. One of the directors, in fact, a couple of directors said to me this week that they are moved and touched by the generosity that this church, this body is beginning to show. It, it, it expresses itself in all sorts of ways. I mean, today, for example, Dennis Hilton, uh, my dear friend and colleague who usually sits over there, with he's over in Welling Garden City with... A team of our people, some students, AJ and Jenna Eek, they're over there ministering there. Even as we speak, Sam, is, Sam Lane, the worship pastor, is sort of rubbing his eyes as he wakes up in Boston, in, ha in New Hampshire, America. He's just been uh, leading a worship retreat there for the churches on the way. I mean, this, this little local church punches above its weight and it astounds me. And it's because of God's work and God's grace among us, but also your vision that, that thing about living forward, willing to inconvenience yourself and, and invest in the future. Well, you know, I want to inconvenience myself now and uh, hopefully have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to get my wallet out. That, oh, that's the medal gone for Burton, excuse me. And when I get my wallet out, it's one of the sort of 12 signs of the end of the world. Okay, so, you know. So I'm going to get my wallet out and I'm going to ask a question. And that question is, who needs a tenner? <laughs> oh my gosh, they were a bit slow last week. There's a tenner here. Who needs, oh, I took it back off. It's got, I've got a piece of string on it. Sorry, I'll just sort of cut that bit. Who needs a tenner on that side? Cliff does. Cliff does? Who's Cliff? Cliff is a tenner, mate. Bless your heart. Now, who needs more than a tenner? Who needs more than a tenner? Does anybody need more than a tenner over here? 
There's a few hands going up here. I've been praying all week that God would help me make the right choice. Does anybody need a tenner up there? More than a tenner. Are you serious? Do you need more than a tenner? Come on down. Come on down here. What's your name? Florence. Florence, bless you. Come this way. Oh, come along the front here, Florence. Florence, come straight along there and down that flight of steps. She's walking a long way, so give her a long round of applause as she comes down here. You know, last year I did this, some of you will remember, and uh, I had no idea who we were going to choose. I just asked God would, would help us to choose the right person, and it was extraordinary what God did. In fact, uh, the testimony is, come up here, Florence, bless your heart. It was extraordinary what God did, and, and I'm not going to ask about details, but your name is Florence and you need more than a tenner. Has anybody got... Who's going to help me out here? Anybody got a tenor they can give this lady? Would you just come forward and just bring it? Thank you. Somebody's hand went straight up there and somebody went over there. So if you've got a tenor or something, just come and give this lady that money. Bless your hearts. People coming down from upstairs, my goodness. Bless your heart. I love this. Just look at this. This is crazy. Bless your hearts. your hearts. Let me pray for you, Florence. You know, it's funny, this time when I did it, I, I, the Lord just said to me, there will be hands that go up downstairs, but look to the balcony, look to the balcony, and yours was the only response. I, you're probably in a bit of a state of shock, but God just chose you for this. Okay, Father, I just want to say thank you to you. I ask your blessing upon Florence, whatever she's going through, whatever she needs to do, Pray, Lord God, that you would bless her now, and this would, be, this would be a sign and a wonder to her that she was seen by you and you heard her cry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Bless your heart. If you can, give her a... Let's go back to your seat. Okay? Thank you. Now, just to be clear here, Florence isn't my mother, all right? <laughs> In fact, I'm afraid she's probably one of those many people who I, I don't actually know, and so I don't know what all that's about. And that kind of raises a question, that some, maybe in some of your minds, it's a good question, to be honest. And the question is simply this, was, how do I know that she's deserving of that? You know, let's be honest here, that's a good question. You know, uh, we have to be very careful with our finances these days. And, you know, uh, you, 
You need to ask questions about whether it's worth supporting this ministry for a start, you know. Um, actually, I tell you what, James, is there a screen? Or I, don't know, I can't see who's on the desk there, but is there a screen up there, vineyard financial giving thing? Is there a screen that we... <sighs> They're good, aren't they? <laughs> Woo! If you want to check out the way we use our money, well then please just go to this. We usually have um, uh, some presentation documents and things to give out. We haven't got that today, but that's on our website. You can go and get the financial update. Thank you for that. But it's a good question. Is, is Florence deserving? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I really don't know. And last service I did it, and I, I you know, again, the Lord just sort of prompted me to pick out a couple, and we bless them in a the, the similar, very generous way as you've just done. It's a good question. But curiously enough, as a follower of Jesus, it's not the right question. Let's just look at John 3.16. Now this is a great passage. You know this verse backwards if you've been a Christian for more than 20 minutes. I think this was the first verse I ever actually learned off by heart as a follower of Jesus. I remember I was just very, very recently got baptized in the Holy Spirit. My wife and I were beginning this huge great adventure 30 something odd years ago. And for, for reasons I still don't quite know, I was invited to a meeting in Leeds where a bunch of artists, we've got Art 25 happening next Friday, we're getting together, and for, because I used to have something to do with drama, I got invited, and you know, I was a jeweler and all this kind of thing. And I was, remember being very, very impressed because some bloke there suddenly quoted this verse, and he said, you know, John, th- John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I was really well impressed, you know, he knew it. So I kind of learned that, thinking that's a good idea. So this is a very, very well-known verse. I'm just going to actually read on. We haven't got it on the screen, but I'll, I'll read into verse 17 and a little bit further on. It says here, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their, their deeds were evil. So the first thing we need to understand about the gift of God in, in all things, something about God's character which we as followers of Jesus are aspiring to is that you know, God models love to us. God is love and he models it. He doesn't just say, I'm love, hi. He models it and the way he does love, the way he works that out and is that to us is a very, very important lesson. And that opening, that opening thing in John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love is modeled by God. And, and you know, it's, it's not a great stretch of the imagination to ask the question, well, how many then when Jesus came to earth were deserving of what God was about to do for them? How many on the face of God's earth were worthy, you know, and deserving? They'd pass some means test. Oh yeah, you know, Chris Lane is down there. He's a real saint. My gosh, he's in a bit of a fix. Better go and rescue him. The truth is it wasn't like that at all. In fact, the world was, was deeply steeped in sin and recklessness and unrighteousness 
And at the end of that passage I read through, it says this as a commentary. It says, but people love darkness instead of light. Jesus himself was not accepted by his own people. Some did. And many actually of the Gentiles who weren't even of the race of the Hebrews of Israel, they accepted him. But many, 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 many people said, yeah, he's just some, some kind of fanatic. Nah, he's just some, he's, he's going he's gonna to kind of con you out of something. Don't go with him. He's a fraud. The truth of the matter is when God looked at the world, he saw an undeserving world. But he didn't wash his hands of us. What he did was he gave his one and only son. So that's what I love about this that we've just done. And we will do it from time to time, you know, because it's just such a crazy thing to do. And sometimes it may be that somebody undeserving cons us. We, we find ourselves being, the, the more we engage with the world, just as Jesus engaged with the world, the more disappointments and pain and hits we take. Uh, you know, uh, what I mean by that is, is I'm, I'm so tired of, of hearing that our, uh, our people have had their phones stolen, their bags stolen, their coats stolen. Do you know one time somebody came in, this was about two or three weeks ago, and they took every single coat off the coat rack in the passage in front of the kitchen. That, so people's car keys went, that's 250 times a, a quid a hit to get your car keys sorted if that's the only one you've got. They just took the whole lot. Phones go missing, wallets go missing. You'd think this was a safe place. Well, I hope it is in one sense, but it's not safe to leave your belongings lying around. Why? Because we're inviting the world in, and that's the way it should be. When the world comes in, people who are still in darkness, then they bring darkness with them. You know, and, and that's a challenge to us. But that's what Jesus calls us to. He calls us not to come out of the world, but to engage with the world. But I, I tell you, it, it pains me when you get ripped off. But you know, there's this parable where, the, where which Jesus told, he said, you know, that this guy planted a harvest field, loads of seed, and the harvest grew up, and suddenly the workers came to the guy who planted the field and said, an enemy has come in and sown weeds in amongst your, your corn. What shall we do? Shall we go in and rip the weeds out? And Jesus said, no, leave them as they are, otherwise we may damage the harvest, and we'll separate them at harvest time. You see, there will always be those who are undeserving, but it's not our call to act as judge and jury. It's not our call to be those who condemn. It's our call to be as gentle as dove and as wives as, as snakes. We don't do anything knowingly stupid. But the reality is we're called to inconvenience ourselves on behalf of the gospel. God so loved the world, not those nice people, who live down the road, they've got a lovely manicured lawn, neck curtains and a Ford Mondeo in the drive. They're really nice, but not that horrible family across the road who are always up all night. God so loved the world. God models his love to us. I am not saying allow yourself to be taken for a ride. If you've got strong misgivings, God's given you those strong misgivings. 
But if we try hard enough to be Christ and to model this love, we will find ourselves in situations which prove to be disappointing. Believe me, I've been doing this a while now. But then Philippians 3, 23, whatever it was, stand firm, do not lose heart, because you know your labor is not in vain. People are coming to Christ. People are being healed. People are coming here who had no background of churchmanship at all, were not raised as Christians, were not taken to Saturday night meetings with their Aunt Flora who was a religious fanatic. They just come. And what do they hear because of who you are and because of Christ's blessing and his presence here? They hear, welcome home. We were expecting you. It's a profound truth. None of us are deserving. So let's not get picky or let a spirit of poverty fall upon us when it comes to be generous. We're called to be generous. Second thing then, it's modeled by God. The gospel and God's love is modeled by him. And this whole business of giving, what is it? It's motivated by love. It's motivated by love. Not guilt, not shame, not ever. Somebody gave me a word last week which I, from the first congregation and it was a lovely one. There was a picture during the worship this person had of a flock of sheep and uh, all around this flock of sheep were kind of collie dogs, you know, sheep dogs and they were running around and they were really penning in these, these sheep tightly. They were pressed together and th- this, these collie dogs were nipping up their, their heels, keeping them in, in order. And then this person felt the Lord spoke to them and said, I do not nip at people's heels to keep them in order because my sheep know my name. We're not doing this because we're guilted or shamed or driven or or packed into it. We're doing it because we serve a God of love who calls us by name and we respond, we follow, we want to go. Sometimes... It's a little harder than others. Some days we ask ourselves, what's the point? Some days we struggle. That goes with it. Jesus stumbled bearing the weight of that cross as he struggled to lay his life down at Galilee. It's part of the Christian experience. But we go because he calls us by name. The motivation is love, not fear, not shame, not guilt. So when we give, we give it out of love as a response to the love of God poured out upon us. The second thing based on this John 3.16 is that it's it's manifested in action. It's not enough to have a, a private faith. This is something that really is very common. I've, I've, I've heard over the years many a time people say to me, well, I believe in God, you know, but you know, I do my own thing, you know. I believe in God, but, but it's very personal, very private. You know, I want to say to you, and I want to say, speak of myself and give testament to the fact that I am so thrilled 
that it is personal. This gift is personal. Jesus calls me by name. You know, when I have my quiet times with God, when I carve out a bit of time in my schedule to sit quietly before God, to read his word, not because I've got some sermon to preach, but just because I need him and I need his life in me. I am so grateful that he draws close and there is that sense of just fatherhood. That sense that he has made it personal. The scripture says that he knows us by name. The scripture says that he, knows, he actually knows that the very number of the hairs on our head. It's an extraordinary thing. It's a wonderful thing that God knows us like that. But it's not just a call to a personal and private relationship with him. It's a call into family. It was probably one of the biggest struggles for me because I was so individualistic when I first got, you know, when God poured his spirit out of me. I could do all the up and down stuff, the God and me stuff, but the God and people stuff really was a struggle. But meet the family. Look around you. I mean, do it. Just have a look around. Look at these, these people, funny shapes and sizes. <laughs> Some funnier than others, you know. These are your brothers and sisters. Really, they are. And and God is a family man. He really is. But his love expresses itself in action. It's not private, it's not personal. There is a personal dynamic, but it's not private, it's not personal. He calls us into community to love and care for one another. In fact, Jesus said, it's by this that the world will know that you are my disciples. The way you give yourselves to one another. The way we bless Florence just then. The kindness of strangers is something that's very moving. You know, I've traveled a lot and every now and then you get lost or you lose something and you need, you, you, turn, you, know, you, you need help. And we've probably all found ourselves in situations like that where a stranger has shown us kindness. Can you imagine what that's like when it's multiplied in the church of Jesus Christ? That is an incredible thing. I still remember from my teenage years when I was trying to hitch a ride down to Cornwall and I was stuck out somewhere near Basingstoke a little old lady who came out of her garden, really struggling to walk, and her penny was like this, and she had three manky apples in this, which actually had six, three for me and three for my stepbrother. And she said, you've been stood there a long time, I thought you might like an apple. Here I am, 60 years old, I'm telling you that now because that kindness made a mark on me. I was just some spotty teenage kid who was leaning against her fence. But she came out and she gave us these apples. And we got a kind of a spooky thing going then. I said to my stepbrother, I said, I said, Nick, our luck's gonna change now. Bite an apple. I bit an apple and a car stopped. I said, yeah, way to go. We jumped in that car. He took us 40 miles. He dumped us off. I said, Nick, bite another apple. Bite, the car stopped. And we bit an apple and we got all the way down to Foy in Cornwall on three apples. Every time we bit an apple, a car stopped. I mean, it's just a crazy nonsense thing, but that's the truth of it. But that kindness, you see, I'm talking to you now. That's one act of generosity, one act of kindness. If this church, indeed any church, can break the spirit of poverty and embrace a spirit of generosity, we will change the world. You want a strategy? We will change the world. 
So the love of God is modeled by God, motivated by, God's giving is modeled by love, motivated by love, manifest in action. He actually sent his one and only son. Really, not thought about it, good intentions. He did it and it cost Jesus. God's giving, God's love is measured by value. People don't like to talk about the value of things, but in this case, Jesus was Father's one and only son. How valuable is that? I mean, I've got four kids, and as you well know, I often mention it, they're all valuable to me. I wouldn't want to lose one of them. But, you know, if you've got an only child, how precious is that? An only child. Would you give that child away for the sake of undeserving strangers, most of whom you know are going to reject the gift? Whoa, would I heck? But God did. His unconditional love. And the value of the gift was not sort of out of the overflow. You know, he, God could do anything. He could shower gold down from the, the skies upon us. He could, you know, do whatever he wanted. But no, it cost God. And that's, again, this sacrificial thing. It cost him, even the Lord God Almighty, to give his one and only son for you and me, for the likes of you and me. The value is incomprehensible. And then finally, this gift of God was multiplied, multiplied by impact. Meaning that he may have given one son, lost one son even, in the process. And yet there's a, an incredible truth. As a result of that, he has won sons and daughters. You are they. You are they. You may be feeling good about yourself at the moment. You may have done well. Things may be, you know, riding a, you know, things are doing very nicely. Thank you. And I thank God for that. Others of you may be feeling really down on you. I I love that little topic, uh, really down on yourselves. I love that topic, you know, breaking out from shame or something for the breakfast news thing. Is that what it's called? Breaking free of shame. You know, God's been speaking to me a bit personally about breaking free of shame. That's something that's close to my heart. You may not be feeling all that good about yourself at the moment. You, 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 you know, you may be down on yourself. Doesn't matter what you feel. The truth is, and the truth is always that which will set you free. And you counter lies and you counter transitory feelings with the truth. The truth is that when you were a sinner, God died for you. That puts a value on you. You know, if I can give you an illustration here, I'm running out of time, but it just comes into my head. You know, supposing you go to buy a car, a second-hand car, many of us will have done that at some point or other. Well, what you normally do is you try and beat the price down, don't you? You try and beat the price down. But supposing you went into nego- you went and saw this car and you thought, that's a great car, that'll just do exactly what I need, that's fantastic. Okay, how much do you want for it? And the person says to you, I need 4,750. And you say, 
ooh, I don't know about that. Mm. You go around and you kick the tires and you kind of rub the sort of bit of rust around the base of the windscreen and you open up the bonnet. There's a bit of an oil leak there. Did you notice that? Mm. I think the exhaust is playing. I tell you what, I'll give you 7,500. 7, the bloke will go, what? That's just crazy. I remember once in India, I was uh, with Linda Hall and John Hall, and we got into one of these little putt-putt taxis, and the, you always haggle. And the, when we got to the end, the bloke uh, told us how much it was going to be, and I started beating him down, and Linda suddenly offered him eight rupees more than he was asking, and the, it, I can't tell you the confusion it caused. <laughs> like, I'm looking at the bloke, and the bloke's looking at me, and I'm looking at Linda, and think, what are you doing, you know? The reason I mention that is, be it a second-hand car or a tuk-tuk ride in India, if you offer to pay more than the asking, that says something about you other than that you're a madman. It says that you put a high value on that. You look at that car and you value it at seven and a half thousand pounds. Well, the bloke may know it's only worth 3,000 and he thought he was you know, trying on for 4,750. But you offer seven and a half thousand. Why? Because that's what you put a value on it. God has put a price on your head, whatever you think or feel about it, however you feel about yourself at this moment, God has put a price on your head. And you know what that is? His one and only son. He will gamble his one and only son's life for the glimmer of a hope of your salvation. That's how you are valued by the sovereign God. Somebody say wow or amen or something. Thank you. My wife said, wow. <laughs> you see, it's not what you feel about yourself. God steps in and says, this is the value I put upon you. I will give my one and only son to save you. That is astounding. That's the value he has put upon you. Warts and all. As you are. Not what you will be, but as you are. Unconditional love. Not based upon whether you deserve it or not. Not based upon those things that you may or may not do in Christ's name in the future as we live forward. Not based upon how effectively you engage with the community or don't again. But as you are. That's the price he's placed upon you. And all that is unseen shiver and quake and gasp at the profound generosity of our God. And how are we to respond? Well, Jesus was asked this question. He was asked, many of you know this, Jesus was asked by somebody who was on the journey, by a teacher of the law, usually his enemies, but he was asked by one of these teachers a very profound question, you know, which is the most important of all the commandments? And Jesus answered in Mark chapter, 10, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, I think we've probably got it on the screen. Jesus answered this, he said, this is the greatest commandment of all those commands and commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
the response, our response to God's love and his generosity is to love him as best we can with every fiber of our being. I'm still working on that. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands because I dare say you are too. But that's the sight. That's the only appropriate response in the face of such an extraordinary gift of love that we give ourselves to him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. While I'm on it, I mean, this act of generosity, which people will talk about. There'll be people in church next week hoping that we do that again. We're not going to. But don't tell them, let them come along anyway. That's what the Bible calls an act of righteousness. That's, that's an overflow. While I'm talking about it, God simply asks that we give 10% our tithes, you know, tithes and offering, 10% of our finance to him. That's not a bad deal when we're, he's asking that we give everything. You can give more than that if you wish. Let's get that in order. Let's get that sorted. But that's not what I really want to say. What I want to say here is that our response to him should be everything we can muster at any given time because he's worth it. And we haven't got sheep dogs or some other thing whipping at our heels to keep us together and to conform and all this. He knows us by name and we're invited to recognize his voice. So, what a God, what a savior. What you have seen today is an outpouring of generosity. It so encourages me. I hope it encouraged you. Because to be honest with you, when you see that sort of thing happening, you know that the Spirit of God is at work in this place. His love is manifest in action. Those of you who gave, and I know that I'm sure there were people who wanted to give but couldn't give, they just didn't come with any money. I don't usually bring money to church on a Sunday, is the truth. But those of you who gave, you know, you were actually modeling something here in this place, which is now on video, which will go all over the world, that speaks of that wonderful, joyous, carefree generosity. Because that's how he is with us. Not begrudging, bean counting, conditional. It's a freeing thing an enlarging thing, a wondrous thing. (sighs) We need to wind this up. Let's have the band up. Would you all please stand? (laughs) Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Peter's speech in Jerusalem. You today may be needing to begin something. What I've been teaching is the church, but for you, this may be all over your head because to be honest with you, you haven't actually begun yet. Well, I want to say, no problem, we've all been in that place and I want to invite you at the end of this service just to go to my right, your left, and ask somebody to pray with you. And just simply in your own words, they'll help you if you can't do it, but in your own words, ask Jesus to forgive you Ask him to 
Fill you with his power, his presence, so that you can join this happy throng as we live forward and make our pilgrimage with a faraway look in our eyes, working to see his kingdom come among us now, but with our eyes set on the future and eternity to come. Lord bless you and thank you for your presence. Amen.